The most pleasant exhaustion podcast is brought to you by High Echelon. High Echelon PC is a nationwide CPA firm based in Atlanta focused on a great client experience. High Echelon provides top quality work with total transparency so clients always know exactly what they're getting. They believe accounting doesn't need to be complicated and that clients should get the experience they deserve, which includes top-notch accounting, tax, and payroll services, timely communication, complete data flow, and the best automation security. Book a call or drop them a line on their website, highechelloncpa.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel is an agency of experienced travel advisors who help you design the perfect trip. Blue Pineapple Travel advisors are all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. They love to help people plan their travel, whether it's for a race, a family trip, a weekend getaway, or the trip of a lifetime. Their goal is to match you with the trip that you want. Relaxation or adventure, traveling solo or with a group, inside the U.S. or abroad, Blue Pineapple Travel can plan exactly the trip that you want. Find them online at bluepineappletravel.com and see some of the great places that folks who have worked with Blue Pineapple Travel go on their Instagram, at bluepineappletravel. MPE Coaching is the coaching arm of the podcast. If you like what you hear here and you need help preparing for a big goal, reach out to us at pleasantpodcast at gmail.com or mpecoach at gmail.com. Trail races, marathons, triathlons, multi-day relays, we have helped people get ready for all of these things. Our approach is rooted in proven exercise physiology, but we also bring our own experience as coaches and athletes to bear. We specialize in helping adults with busy schedules find ways to build fitness and accomplish their goals. Whether you're looking to complete your first multi-sport race, qualify for Boston or Kona, set a new marathon PR, or simply become a healthier, happier athlete, we can help. Click on the coaching link on the podcast website, www.mostpleasantexhaustion.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Elemental Altitude Training Center. Elemental Altitude is Atlanta's only altitude training facility. At Elemental Altitude State-of-the-Art Indoor Training Center, they are capable of simulating elevation of up to 24,000 feet. Training in the thinner air and lack of oxygen prompts an increase in red blood cells, meaning that more oxygen can be delivered to your working muscles on race day. Athletes undertaking all sorts of goals, from rugged mountain climbs to flat sea level marathons to Ironman triathlons, train in the hypoxic environment created at Elemental Altitude. I trained there several times ahead of my successful race at the London Marathon in 2022. And Michelle trained there extensively for the Silver Rush 50 in 2023, her first ever 50 mile race that spent a lot of time over 10,000 feet. In addition, Elemental Altitude hosts a variety of physiological testing, such as sweat testing, blood lactate testing, VO2 max testing, and a variety of metabolic testing, which can tell you your resting metabolic rate and the types and amounts of fuels you are burning at different training and racing intensities. Drop them a line at info@elementalaltitude.com if you have questions or to set up an appointment. Their website is elementalaltitude.com. And finally, our new sponsor for 2024 is Bright Hair. Bright Hair is a creative design studio offering branding, graphic design, marketing, and website design and support. They designed our Most Pleasant Exhaustion logo and they're helping to build our website right now. The folks at Bright Hair are patient and thorough and they listen to your feedback. Their expertise has been critical to our getting our branded merchandise shop off the ground in early 2024. Be sure to reach out to them with any graphic design or marketing needs that you have. 
You can find them at brighthair.com. That's bright, B-R-I-G-H-T, hair, H-A-R-E.com, or on Instagram at bright, period, hair. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making the most pleasant exhaustion podcast possible. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by MPE Coaching, High Echelon PC, Blue Pineapple Travel, Elemental Altitude Training Center, and Bright Hair. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a college professor and the father of twin boys. My name is Michelle Frank. I'm also an endurance athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia. I am a CPA and a mom to three girls. And we both are alumni of the inaugural marathon relay at the Publix Atlanta Marathon, right? We are. Yeah. So, good weekend here. So it was a good weekend here. Um, a lot of changes to that race this year that, that we definitely want to talk about, including new formats that both you and I took advantage of. Um, before we do that, just how you feeling today? You had a big weekend. You have a marathon coming up in a few weeks here. Um, you had a big week last week, like the, the yes. race was actually just sort of the climax to, to what was a pretty big week for you here. How are you feeling? Yeah, I feel pretty good. Um, I didn't run today. I don't have to run today, thankfully. I've decided Monday's off is really awesome. Well, you and... happened to mention that to your coach. <laughs> I and did? So, and so, so he reconceptualized the way that, that he actually writes your training schedule such such that you can well, generally get Mondays off, so... I hear. Uh, that, that was a wise I, move on your part. I think sometimes, I mean, I can argue for just like an easy 35 minutes just to be as productive or as beneficial as a day off. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's just the, oh, I just wake up and get coffee and yeah. I don't have to get dressed and just sit down at the computer and get going. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously, that, and that, and, and still in my pajamas, said. but... <laughs> <laughs> and, and and I've always said, and I think it's important that, that I think that that is actually as important as, as the physical element of it, right? Yeah. And so so you always have what would be physiologically ideal um, the day after a race or the, the day after a hard week or whatever happens to be. But what is psychologically ideal, I think should be taken into account just as much as what is physiologically ideal. Um, and then ultimately what goes on the schedule should be the thing that's the mix of those two things. And so, so yeah, if a Monday off is just so rejuvenating for you that it improves the remainder of the week, that's kind of a no brainer as a coach, I think. Yeah. I mean, I can't always do Monday off because a lot of times I need like a day of the weekend off, um, for kids stuff, mm -hmm. but on a day like today where I'll probably get out and just go for a walk anyway, after lunch, it was mm -hmm. nice to not, mm -hmm you know, wake up and, and have to run out the door. But yeah, yeah I kind of felt like I had a long run every other day last week and then had to run this half marathon on Sunday. Yeah. Um, but just the, I guess, original question. I mean, it, it's fine. I feel pretty good. I thought it would, you know, I, I think I, I think I felt the way that I expected to feel. Yeah. Um, and, and we can talk about it more when we get into the race, but I think I was able to do everything I wanted to in the race in terms of like how the workout was prescribed, except for maybe getting getting up those um hills in mile you know <laughs> 10 and or i guess 11 and 12 because 13 mm -hmm. wasn't so up but yeah i was i was thankful when i saw the elevation profile that i wasn't crazy mm -hmm. um that those were actually pretty pretty big climbs at the end mm -hmm. of the race so but yeah. yeah i think i feel pretty good so awesome very good very good i am sore today as i expected to be 
Um, uh, I mean, I, I, it's funny, like, and, and, you know, you and I both ran marathon relays. You ran the first leg, the opening leg. I ran the second leg, the, the, the final leg. Um, you know, the relay teams were only two people large. Um, and it's funny to me that you and I both ran the same event yesterday, but had totally different experiences. Like in in yes. the sense in the sense that you ran a completely different course than I did, right? I mean, and and so that that to me, and it just literally hit me as you were just talking about it, how kind of strange that feels that we're gonna sit here and talk about this race that we both ran, but we did not run the same roads, like hardly at all. <laughs> um, I also yeah. feel like we ran in in really different weather forecasts. Like I would have worn that's true too, yeah, completely different uh kit or outfit than I wore if I had run, you know, yeah. the second half like you did. So yeah. yeah, yeah, there was a lot of new yesterday for a race that, you know, seems so, I guess, like customary and usual. So yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, I'm I, I expected to be sore because as I've talked about on this podcast, I haven't run a ton over the course of the past couple of months. I've run plenty. Um, but I've been mostly maintaining my my fitness via cycling and then working on all these strength and mobility issues that that um, I want to address before I really have a bona fide build up towards comrades in three and a half months. Um, and uh, and this race this past weekend was kind of like the last step. It was kind of like the end of that phase, if you will. Um, the last race in the Zwift Racing League is tomorrow night. It's Tuesday night. Um, and so with this, it kind of brings to an end this not a whole lot of running, maintaining fitness via the bike and and working on a lot of strength and mobility stuff. We'll still obviously continue working on strength and mobility stuff, but the cycling's probably going to go down a little bit. And I'm actually going to start translating a lot of that fitness into running specific fitness, um, which I'm excited about. Um, yeah, um, I'm looking forward to that. Um, and so so, yeah, I expect it to be sore, but I'm sore only from the running like my core is not sore and my arms are not sore, you know, and all the stuff that I've actually been working on for the past couple of months, past several months, those things aren't sore. Those things feel good. But the the actual running, particularly the ups and down hill, obviously, um, those hurt a lot. Um, but I'll be okay. I'll be fine. That's awesome. Um, and I'm evenly sore too, right? I think that's important. Like each glute is equally sore and each quad is equally sore. It's not like I have one spot that is just like, incredibly sore because I overloaded it relative to all the rest of my my muscles do you know what I mean sure. yeah um and so so yeah I feel good about that and that makes me feel confident about you know where I am in terms of my gait and my efficiency and all of that stuff so it's very instructive soreness um and and even though it's not comfortable of course um I think that it actually gives me a, a positive feeling about where I am right now yeah, I think this is a race that's going to hurt if you really race it, um, mm. even if you're trained, honestly, the courses mm. and, and the course that you ran and we'll talk more about it. I mean, if you look at my map, I just did this massive circle mm -hmm. and you basically just turned left or right at least like once or twice every mile. Yeah. So um, let's, so, so so. let's, let's talk about that then. So let's, let's talk about our races. And of course we want to talk not only about the races that we ran, but we're going to talk about the actual race itself. Yeah. Um, and so Atlanta track club they have been over the course of the past several years, I would say very experimental. Um, and, and this predates the pandemic. I think a lot of people started experimenting with more things during the pandemic, but this predates the pan the, the pandemic. They've been experimental with like what their finisher offerings were. 
Um, you know, they've given like scarves and, and like miniature baseball bats and like what their awards are. I got a, a the PNC 10 miler a few years ago when I won the masters, I, I got a Yeti cup that's engraved that I love. Um, um, that, that folks noticed yesterday and I was talking about how much I loved it. Um, yes. they, uh, uh, but they've also been experiment experimental with like the race formats and things like that. And so yesterday was an example of that. They were forced to leave the Centennial Olympic park where that race has been staged. The, the Atlanta marathon, half marathon have been staged over the course of the past several years. And they had to move into this other sections. It's near Mercedes Benz stadium called the home Depot backyard. Um, which is just kind of an event space, which is grassy, which before games that are inside that stadium where the Falcons and where Atlanta United, the soccer team play, um, they have like family friendly entertainment and stuff like that. Right. Yep. Um, and so they staged the race in that space. They brought in food trucks um, and they had to slightly change the course in order to to um, start and finish from that space. Um, but then they ran what I thought was a cool event, a great event. Um, yeah. and they, and they added in for the first time, a marathon relay, which was a two person relay. And then they also offered the opportunity, if you were a half marathon runner to run the back half of the marathon course rather than the front half of the marathon course. So the, the marathon course basically comes right back to the start finish, almost all the way back to the start finish. Um, and then goes out for this other 13.1 miles through downtown Atlanta, um, and they said, all right, well, if you want to start the regular traditional half marathon course, which is the first half of the marathon course, you can run that at, start that at 7.15 or so. They had a few different ways. But if you want to do the second one, you can start that at 8 o'clock. And we'll have a separate overall winner. And and yeah, um, and, they, they, and, they, and they had pacers on that course. Um, and they enabled people to run the back half of the marathon course if that's what they opted to do. Yeah. Um, so... so just to date myself a little bit, but they actually <laughs> had a marathon relay uh, when Tracy Russell was the executive director. They came out in October, like 2012 was the mm. 2011 was the first year. Um, and I think her whole vision was like, oh, people could choose New York. They could choose Chicago. They can choose Atlanta. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, that didn't work. That race only existed for a few years, but they did have a relay component mm -hmm. of the relay of the marathon within that. Um, mm -hmm. I do think it was like a four person relay at the time, but mm -hmm. so they have done something like this before, but mm -hmm. they definitely never done, you know, two person only. And Hey, if you want to just run the back half of the marathon is your half marathon, mm -hmm. you can do that too. Um, Agreed. so yeah, that was, that was kind of, it just made the weekend. I don't know. It made it more fun for me. So for sure, for sure. You know, it's funny. I saw so many friends over the weekend, so many people from the endurance community, not just from the running community, um, people from like Atlanta Tri Club, triathletes that I know, folks from the Kyle Pease Foundation um, that had more than 60 athletes out there. As a matter of fact, we'll talk more about them in a little while. But um, I, I actually resolved that I think I'm going to just go ahead and start signing up for this race every year. And, and just kind of like the same way I sign up for the Peachtree Road Race every year and just sort yeah. of do it in some form every year. You know, it's it's kind of gotten to that place. Um, and I think that's great. Yeah, you know? I, I do think the the like environment of the backyard being down in there, I think I reflected on one of our text threads, our Ragnar Relay text thread from last year, that the backyard, the Home Depot backyard, like had that Ragnar village kind of feel to it. Mm -hmm. um, so I think they did a really good job with that. And it made it really easy to like find the Kyle Peace people and find the Dynamo yeah. people and everybody just kind of yeah. had their own little area. Mm -hmm. um, and 
yeah, we were all just kind of in there and it felt very inclusive. So Agreed. I liked Agreed. that. So. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I thought it was laid out well. And I, I thought that it was the perfect size for an event of that size um, for 8,000 people. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, between all the races, uh, for sure. So let's talk about your actual race. And so, so like we said already, you ran the marathon relay with Lauren Fogarty and you ran the opening leg, which meant that you started at 715. You started when it was about 30 degrees um, and, and you ran the, the, the first 13.1 miles of the course, um, which is like we said, basically the same course that has been run over the course of the past several years with a couple of small tweaks, um, because they had to start and finish in the new location. What'd yeah. you think about the course? How'd your race go? There were definitely some tweaks that made it feel a bit foreign. I would say, honestly, until we got to, Euclid in little five points um that whole beginning part it was like the same area in the same direction and if you look at the map it probably looks pretty similar but mm -hmm. just starting from that lower point in the backyard versus like in front of you know the Omni Hotel even all the way up to getting to little five points we came in off of Irwin like I think instead of Edgewood so it was fine but I was a little bit disoriented at the beginning mm -hmm. um but what I mostly felt at the beginning so my plan was to go out and for the first four miles and just not go faster than about like eight and a half minutes per mile. And if you go in the first wave and you're only running like eight and a half minute miles and, and we were supposed to start in the first wave, I should just say. Mm -hmm. um, and that is one thing I think I would do differently next year. I would just drop back, but I was immediately alone, right? Yeah. Everybody's like gone. <laughs> um, but I was just, you know, I was pretty careful and I would say um, then I was going to go down to like 810 and then 8-ish and then um, just try to finish the last three miles. I was hoping that they would be like the fastest three miles. Um, I think the effort was there, but I stopped looking at my watch. I was so careful for 10 miles, like every single mile I was watching. I must have looked at my watch just to not exceed what I wanted to run in terms of pace. Um, and then when I ran, I guess, mile 11, my watch didn't it sounded in my ear by the way my Garmin was telling me what pace as the miles clicked over mm. um which is unusual and I'm sure Eric's going to listen to this and give me some beef about that but <laughs> I was a little disappointed when it was like 805 and I was like oh um but I felt like I you know I had a good effort going mm. into the end of it but yeah I would say overall I did exactly what yeah. I wanted to do um mm -hmm. and you know I found as usual, like amazing course support. There was people everywhere. There was tons of hydration stations. It was so cold. Mm -hmm. I overfueled. I was just really trying to like train my stomach ahead of the marathon that I do want to race. And, you know, probably just took water two or three times. Um, found the turnaround in the park to be, I think we didn't go up as far as we usually do. So that was pretty mm -hmm. exciting because you didn't have to run up the whole hill around the tennis courts. But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's a very different experience than I th the second part of the relay or the back half of the course. But mm -hmm. overall, I was I was pretty happy with it. I think I dressed well for it. You know, we had said since I'm not really since I'm holding back just to dress on the warmer side, I probably mm -hmm. would not have wanted to run much longer out there and, you know, half like capri tights and a long sleeve shirt and gloves as it, and as it, as it was getting warm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, once the sun came out, you know, by the time I was finishing, I mean, I was immediately freezing when I finished, but I felt, you mm -hmm. know, at least during my run, I was dressed pretty perfectly. So good. I, I would just say like, it's just hard. These courses in Atlanta, yeah. um, 
I do have a half marathon PR here from Thanksgiving. I've actually never run a half marathon outside of Atlanta. And every time I run these races, even if I'm just, you know, like pacing a two hour group or trying to run hard, I just think there's gotta be a way. Um, I don't think like there there's is. gotta be a faster course. I mean, the, like, the, but... the, the, there, there is, there, there is a way to make a faster course in Atlanta, but, but it would basically just be finding a flat space and running back and forth across that flat space. I, I don't, Atlanta is just a hilly city. Um, yeah. and that's just kind of, I mean, Atlanta is not on the edge of a lake like Chicago or on the edge of the ocean, like, like New York and, and even Boston, like, you know, it's, it's literally in the foothills of the Appalachians. Um, and so, so it's, it's just a hilly place. Yeah. You know, Atlanta grew up into a city because railroads crossed here, not because sure. ships came in here. Right. Um, and, and I think that, that because it's history, uh, it has a much different topography. Um, I, I think, again, I think that if you wanted to truly make a flat marathon Atlanta, you could, but it would be like 26 miles around the lake in, in Piedmont park or something like, yeah, you're not showcasing the city. Right. If, um, if you so, if, if you want to if you want to showcase the city if you want to truly have an Atlanta marathon you got to run all over the city and that means running up and down some yeah. brutal hills and I say so, that as somebody who was felt every single step of every single hill yesterday I mean yeah. it was so hard but but um, I was I definitely not relishing the hills but I mean this is what it, what it has to look like right. It does. It is what it has to look like. But I do think that there is a gap that if the Atlanta Track Club really wants to have a marathon weekend that can rival those of other, you know, really big city marathons that really attract people, people want to run fast. They want yeah, to, most people, they want to train for a destination race where they can go, they can try to PR, they can try to qualify for Boston. Um, we're never going to have that here with these courses, right? I, with the Thanksgiving day half or yeah. this, I mean, the marathon weekend was great. It was fun, but, and maybe that's fine. Maybe their vision is just keep it local and there's enough money from that. And, you know, there's other stuff that makes us, you know, we've got Peachtree and other stuff that makes us more prominent on a national level, but mm -hmm. these races are like, you'd find, I'd be hard pressed to, to pay to travel here to run this unless it was like a girl's weekend or, mm -hmm. you know, just, I don't know, like a supported long run. Um, I hear. It's, it's tough to run hard and fast on these courses. Uh, I hear you. I hear you. I mean, and even even if you're not running fast, even if you're not looking to PR, they're just hard courses. And 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 when and when you're just running hard, having to to run up some super steep hard hills again and again and again and again. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think that that um, we're never going to be able in Atlanta to establish a competitive relationship with the New Yorks and the Chicago's um, because of what you're saying um, through our course. I don't think that's ever going to happen. I do yeah. think that that what we have done in the absence of being able to create a flat, fast course is we have started trying to host like championship meets or, or championship races. And so like there was a 5K that was associated with this weekend as well, right? And it was on Saturday um, and it doubled as the national master's 5K race, right? Sure. And so there were people that came from all over the United States, from California, from Colorado, from Oregon, from everywhere um, to run that 5K, master's runners that came to run that 5K. Um, you saw a master's woman ran under 17 minutes for the win 
incredible. Yeah. Um, uh, and so, so, I mean, I, I think, I think the only way that, that we're going to be able to raise profile and get a whole bunch of people to come here is if we were to get the marathon established as the national something, something, something championship marathon. Um, and I don't know that that's going to happen either, but, but we'll see. Yeah. I will say we did lose, there's no elites that came to this half or this full because we lost the certification on the course because of the course change. Mm -hmm. So that would be something that if they do repeat this course for next year, they'd probably, you know, want to make sure and get back in place. Um, sure. you could have a half marathon championship here. It's not going to be mm -hmm. fast, you know, mm -hmm. but for people that are chasing a U.S. title, it's in their yeah. contracts, it's worth coming. Um, yeah. so yeah, for sure. For sure. No, I mean, if you winning a U.S. championship, a win's a win. You know, for a while, the Peachtree Road race was the U.S. 10K Road Championship. And we, right. had, yeah. we had a lot of pros uh, that came here for that. And it was cool. Um, yeah. But uh, but we they they kind of let that lapse and and just sort of tried started trying to enact a different vision for Peachtree, which is fine. Um, like I said, I appreciate the, the the experimentalism of the Atlanta Track Club, particularly the course of the past few years. So, yeah, the relay. So I ran. Uh, I got the baton or I got the relay bib <laughs> um, because what they did is, is you and I both had our individual numbers. Um, but then we also had a relay number that they put on a race belt for us, like the ones that triathletes wear. Um, and, and we passed off that race belt. And so the course split. And I realized this about a week ago when I was looking at the maps, the marathon course and the half marathon course split at about 12.9 miles. They split late. Um, they stay very much together for the entire time. But then the half marathon course runs down into the finish and the marathon course uh, runs up over this overpass and then continues on to the back half of the course. Well, for the relay, the exchange zone was actually past the finish line of the half marathon. And so you and Adam, who is my relay partner, basically you just ran the opening half marathon and you crossed the finish line of the half marathon and you handed over that that relay bib. And then I took the relay bib, ran through the exchange zone back over the finish line against the flow of runners, even though they had us kind of off on the sidewalk. Um, and then all the way back up the hill <laughs> to where to where the courses came back together again, took a hard turn onto the marathon course. Um, and then and then got onto the marathon course. I had run 0.36 miles, um, two minutes and 22 seconds when I hit the mid-marathon timing mat. And so, yeah. uh, and virtually all <laughs> of it was uphill. And so, so I'd run two minutes and 22 seconds uphill before I actually hit 13.1 miles to go. Um, I, I I knew when I saw the map and, and realized what the exchange zones were that it, it was going to be long, that I was going to have to kind of run extra for this. I didn't know it was going to be that much longer. And I certainly didn't know it was going to be uphill. Um, that was that was a little bit devastating. <laughs> it was totally devastating. Um, yeah, like to literally be like breathing hard when I crossed what was effectively the starting line, you know, 13.1 miles to go. Um, and so, so yeah, but, but, but truly the, the big um, uh, result of that for me was that I was kind of running blind most of the race in terms of how fast I was running and stuff like that. Of course I could look at my own watch, but the clocks on the course and the mile markers didn't really mean anything. 
you know, um, that, that when I ran past the one mile marker, well, at that point I had, I had run 1.36 miles, right. Um, or, 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 or something like that. I had run two minutes and 22 seconds before I even kind of got onto the course. Um, and so, um, I, I didn't have a real clear sense of exactly what my splits were and what I was doing. Not to mention the fact that the clocks on the course were actually set for the marathon time, which was an hour and 20 minutes almost before I started running. Right. Um, and so for better, or for worse, I had to completely just sort of run by feel um, uh, based on what I was thought that I could possibly do. Right. Um, uh, I had never run the back half of this course. Um, I thought it was kind of cool. There was a lot of turns in the back half of the course for sure. Um, and of course, a lot of hills in the back half of the course, as as I had heard, heard people say. Um, I passed a couple of marathoners really early on and then was kind of by myself for about four miles until I started picking up all of the people who had opted to run their half marathon as the second half marathon. They had all started about 35 minutes before I did. They started at eight o'clock. Um, and then that was cool because there were more people out there and the volunteers were a little bit more engaged with the more people out there and everything, you know? Um, and then a lot of them cheered for me as I ran past them. A lot of them thought that I was actually a marathoner, which I just let them believe. Um, <laughs> and, nice. um, and, and then, um, um, there was just overall, you know, it's just nicer to be out there with other people. Um, I didn't have to worry about, about orienteering as much in the first three miles, like, trying to figure out with all the turns, which way I was supposed to turn as I approached an intersection that just had cones everywhere, you know, that was kind of hard. I actually took a, a wrong turn at the three mile mark um, because there was a policeman there that was kind of stopping traffic and pointing one way. And so I thought she was pointing me to go that way. And so I started, you know, anyway. Um, but yeah, when there were crowds out there, I like, I didn't have to worry about where I was going at the same time. That also meant that I was kind of having to weave a little bit more. And yeah. sometimes go outside the cones and and try to avoid people and and, and things like that. So so that that was a little bit tricky as well. Um, uh, so yeah, a little bit of a, of a mixed blessing. Um, the back half showcases a totally different part of the city. Um, and I was I was thinking about that. Remember when we read Running Wild Black by Allison Mariella Desir, and she talked yeah. about how she appreciated that the Atlanta Track Club puts races in the real neighborhoods. Um, and what she meant by that was that they showcase the city. Not only the the pretty well-to-do parts, um, but also uh, some of the his more historical parts and some of the working class parts and some of the black parts. And that's not only an important thing for the runners to see, to appreciate the diversity of a city, but it's also an important thing for the people who live in those neighborhoods to see. Like if you have a marathon running in, your, in front of your house, you're like, oh, okay, this is something that people do. Maybe this is something I can do too, right? Um, sure. which I, I thought was a super interesting point. She was really critical of the Boston Marathon, um, as we talked about when we reviewed that book, because it doesn't go through any of the the more colorful and, and more working class sections of Boston. Rather, it just kind of threads its way through all the well-to-do, mostly white suburbs. Um, Here's my question about yeah. that. Um, I, and, I, and, and, I, and, I, and I like that. I like that. I thought that was cool. Um, so... Even just somebody who ran the Publix Atlanta Marathon a few years ago, the second half of the course was totally different. I ran it yeah. in 2012, but it used to basically go all the way back into the kind of the top part of Decatur, come mm -hmm. back around, down yeah. through Emory, you know, go yeah. up and, and zigzag Druid Hills. Much and then, from that now, yeah. Yeah. So even um, for somebody that might have run 
the marathon a few years ago, the Atlanta track club has completely reconfigured the back half or the yeah. second half of the marathon or the, you know, of this course. Yeah. So do you, do you think it's a better showing of Atlanta than for having sure. to go kind of up into cater and come back in? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it, I, and I, and I, I liked the back half of the course. It was hard. It was hilly. That's hard to shake, of course. Um, but, but yeah, I think that it showed much more of what we would call central Atlanta as opposed to Decatur, right? Yeah, um, sure. if there was a way that you could kind of go in that direction and maybe squeeze Emory in, that would be super cool. Um, but, but yeah, I do think it was a much better showcasing of the city and I enjoyed running through a lot of neighborhoods and a lot of areas that I hadn't really run in before. Um, um, we ran literally across the campus um, of Clark Atlanta University, right next to Morris Brown College, and then uh, right next to Spellman. Um, and uh, uh, one of our friends, friend of the podcast, Allison Mercer, said that she wishes there would have been a little bit more guidance, um, maybe in the participant instructions or something like that, about like the 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 nature of those historic places. Um, I thought it was cool, like like two miles into my race running through Clark Atlanta. And there's like pictures of W.E.B. Du Bois and stuff like that. I mean, I just thought that was cool, right? Yeah, that's very um, and, cool. And, and that should be part of of the Atlanta Marathon experience because that's a super important part of of the history of our city and and the modern day of our city. Um, and yeah. so, so, and so it, I, I liked that a lot. I thought it was cool, yeah. It does sound like those are places that you would never ordinarily just kind of run on your own or mm -hmm. for a training run or even really not be able to who can, you know, access some of these universities or behind right. the stadium, whereas right. you can run to cater to Druid Hills to Virginia Highlands anytime you want to. Yeah, I did that um, a few weeks so, ago. Yeah, um, yeah, cool. no, I, I agree. Cool. Yeah, agree. I totally agree. And so, so, so I very much appreciate that aspect of it, too. Um, I, Katie Ferguson, friend of the podcast, um, who was wearing a most pleasant exhaustion hat as she paced in the back half of the marathon yesterday, yes, um, she was. was saying that, that she, um, has run the opening half marathon, the, the, I don't want to call it the traditional half marathon, but the first half marathon, <laughs> the one that you yeah. ran yesterday, um, the one that goes through Virginia Highlands and Piedmont Park and Midtown and all of that. She's run that several times. Um, and she said that this was a really cool opportunity for her as somebody who hasn't run the full marathon. It doesn't really want to run the full marathon um, sure. <laughs> uh, to actually get to see the other half of the course, which I think is an excellent point. I think that's yeah. that's that's really cool. Um, I totally agree with her on that. Another friend of mine, uh, Matt Underwood, um, he uh, his he lived in Grant Park and we ran right in front of the house that I last time I visited him at his house he lived in this house that really was this was literally right on the course there in Grant Park and so I texted him afterwards I, I said I ran past your house this morning I was expecting you to 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 be out there cheering for me and he wrote back and said well I couldn't cheer for you because one I was running the race myself and two we moved out of that house four years ago <laughs> Um, I don't but he know. Said I said that it was cool for him to get to, to actually run a race around a lot of the roads near the neighborhoods where he has lived. Um, that, that that's not where they tend to put races. They tend to put them over in Midtown and stuff. Um, you know why so they don't cool put races there? So, Cause it's so hilly. It's so hilly. Yes, yeah. I know. Yeah. Um, and so, so th that Grant Park section where his house was, the reason why I was so dying to see him peering out in front of a house <laughs> that he evidently moved out of five years ago um, is because that was such a hard section. Yeah. From about seven and a half miles, you just run uphill next to the park. Then you dive down into it, do a 180 degree turn and just run what has to be a devastatingly 
steep hill to get out of the park. You turn, you keep going up, you turn again, you keep going up. I mean, um, between seven and a half and like 9.3, um, there was like 200 feet of climbing. And I felt every one of those feet. Um, I, I wrote in my log afterwards, I told my coach afterwards that, that my race, the remainder of the race after that really changed for me. Before that, I felt like I could I could work up the hills. And then when I got on the flats and downhills, I could kind of cruise. Um, after that, I would get on the flats and downhills. I'd be like, oh, my God. <laughs> it like, just felt like I was stumbling after that. And yeah. and my, my times don't bear that out. I actually maintained pretty well. But just like reverting back into to cruise control um, just was much harder after that section of the course because that section of the course just was so painful. Um, so yeah. tough. that's the one that's going to haunt I, me for the next year. Um, I'd love to run this again next year, but I'm going to just stick with the, I hope Lauren <laughs> wants to do the second half again, because I am like steadfast and I'm doing this again, but only if I lead. Right uh, so right yeah, on. that just doesn't sound like, you know, you guys go, you back half people. My, well, I'm not going to be a back half person next year. So, well, so like I said, I am going to start signing up for this every year um, for, for this event, uh, the Atlanta, uh, half marathon and marathon in some form. I, I did the marathon in 2021 when it was at road Atlanta, when they took it down and because of COVID protocols, they, they started in road Atlanta. So I've run the Atlanta marathon. I've just never run it in Atlanta. Um, <laughs> but, um, and so I, I, I ultimately probably will someday. I don't know when it's going to be. Um, but, but yeah, Adam, my Heiser, my, my partner who ran the opening leg here, um, who ran great. He, he took a minute and a half off his fastest time ever on this course. Um, and so That's he was awesome. pretty psyched about that. Yeah. Um, he's getting ready for Boston and, and wants to run well in Boston. And so he's pretty psyched about that. Um, but he said that, that because we won the relay division, he and I did, um, that we have to come back next year and defend our title. Um, and that, that part of defending the titles that he'll run the back half and I'll run the front half. Um, and so I think that's going to be the plan for next year, um, which I look forward to, but I don't know what kind of shape I'm going to be since I have a big target marathon in the beginning of December. Um, we'll see. We'll see. But I look forward to it one way or another. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I think, you know, there were probably a lot of maybe not a lot of logistical faux pas, but definitely some things that they should probably iron out before they do this exact you know, race option next year. But I do yeah. hope that at least um, I would think they would keep the relay and maybe maybe not offer the second half marathon as its own event, but hopefully mm -hmm. keep the relay because, um, yeah, yeah I, I want I'd love to do it again. I'd love to win. Is what yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. No, we'll see. Yeah, and 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 y'all were definitely within a shout of the win. Y'all were second, right? I um, saw that girl Lauren come were. in. Yeah, and then I saw Lauren like two minutes behind her. But I guess yeah. I knew from the tracker. Um, Lauren would have had to run a pretty, yeah. you know, a pretty awesome second half of her half to, um, catch her, but yeah, that's okay. It was fun. I mean, I didn't, and, you know, and La know, Lauren, this was the farthest she'd run since she did the Houston marathon last month. She's hardly run since she did the Houston marathon last month, which means she's sore today too. <laughs> yeah. Poor yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, y'all, y'all were certainly right there within touching distance of, of, of taking the win as well. Um, and so, so yeah. Um, we'll see how next year goes for sure. Um, yeah, let's talk about some of the, the, the sort of the kinks, if you will. I, I will say, I think that one of the things that they need, I, I, I do wonder whether they will offer that back half again. Uh, and if they do, I do think they need some better nomenclature. Yes. Like, like 
the second marathon, second half marathon or the back, like, like we need to figure out a better way to, 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 to like better names to call us. It was kind of confusing. Yeah. Right? I mean, I, I would talk even... about how I was doing the marathon relay on the back half of the course, but then, or I was doing the second half marathon, but then no, but I'm doing the second half, but the, you have the second half marathon, which yeah, this, the nomenclature needs to be clearer. I mean, I'm not a stupid person, but I didn't understand, like, um, you know, we heard from a few people, oh, I'm only running the second half marathon because I want to challenge the hills or I'm pacing the second half. And in the days leading up, I mean, granted, I did not, you know, invest myself in the participant guide, um, but it was only a few days before that I realized, oh, there's like a second half marathon that literally stands on its own. Right. So yeah, I would agree. I don't know what a better name would be, but that was not a good name. It only really became clear to me when I went to the expo to pick up my number. Um, there's a whole separate, you know, number pickup if you're a mm -hmm. second half marathon entrant. Right. So yeah, that was yeah. tough. Yeah. But we did it. We made it. We Yeah. And it was fine. I, like, I'm just saying it needs to be for the sake of clarity, like literally as we're talking about it right now. I will say one thing you know, to balance that back out. I appreciate the fact that they uh, truly valued all of the different events fairly equally. And, and, totally. and yeah. somebody who was doing one of the one of the non marquee events, if you will, that was important to me. Um, uh, it's not like they're like, oh yeah, you want to run? Like, yeah, sure. Here you go. Whatever. Like they set up the exchange zone and they, they had a separate check-in and they had, I mean, they, they, they recognized when I came running out of the exchange zone, um, you know, Rich Kana, who we've had on the podcast before, who's the head of ATC actually was saying, okay, you're going to do this and this and this and this. And he kind of got me and they, and they were stopping traffic so that I could kind of get back onto the marathon course and stuff like that. The volunteers and the, and the staff members were. Um, and then when I came in, like Rich was down there, he goes, he goes, first relay, first relay. And then they announced me as like, and here comes our first or, or the winning relay team, you know, and we're kind of yep. coming in and they, they gave me a tape to break and they posted on Instagram. Right. Yeah. I mean, yes. like, like, you know, I, and, and Adam and everybody else who, and you and everybody else and Lauren, whoever, everybody else who ran the, the, the marathon relay, like we put a lot of work in, like not just preparing for it, but actually during the race itself. And you want that work recognized um and so i you know, i felt seen and i appreciate feeling seen um when i'm doing a race and so i i think it would be really easy for them to focus very heavily on the half marathon and only like the traditional half marathon the first half half marathon um yeah and they didn't they focused on all of it and and i thought that i thought they did that very well i appreciate that yeah. And I don't know if you noticed, but we got a half marathon medal, but they gave mm -hmm. us ribbons that said Atlanta half marathon relay or marathon. Oh. So we had our own ribbon to the medal, even though oh, like, I we shared the medal actually. with the half marathon finisher, which is just so fun. Like I don't have That's super cool. I didn't another that. relay medal on my yeah. wall. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. Oh, yeah, I'm excited they, about that too. I didn't, I didn't yeah. realize that. So yeah, it was funny. Yeah. They put the medal on me. And then I was curious. I was I was like, they gave me a, mar a half marathon medal, or what? Like, what medal did they give me? I looked at it. It's like half marathon. Okay, got it. But I didn't notice the ribbon. But you gotta go look at the ribbon. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay, that's great. Yeah. No, and and that's and, and that's exactly cool. what it's I'm talking cool. about, right? Yeah. I think yeah. that's cool. Like like those sorts of details. Um, I think that they 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 matter. Um, I I I do think that they they got to work out the exchange zone in oh in terms of like. I don't think it needs to be at the finish okay. line. <laughs> I, so, and I'm saying that as the guy who who had to run back up the hill and add, yeah, had to run the extra almost 0.4 miles to get back on the yeah. course and everything. Like I I I I don't feel like it has to be there. 
Okay, yeah. well, I'll say two things about that is one, even though the race start was a little bit further on the course in the exchange zone, we all started about 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7 miles uphill. Mm -hmm. So everything was like way more uphill at the start than what mm -hmm. I feel like it was when we just kind of started in front of the Omni Hotel. Oh, for sure. But when I finished, there was, I would say overall, there was amazing signage at the event. But mm. when I finished, the only option was to go right if you were a marathon finisher or right. to keep going straight if you were a half marathon finisher. Right. And I had to make that just like in the moment decision. Nobody was telling me which way to go, even though it was yeah. obvious I was a relay runner. And I know, you know, your front runner, Adam, like he made that right turn to finish the marathon and they turned him around. Oh, did um, they? I didn't even know yeah. that. So he went, yeah. he had to come back onto the half marathon course. But but I'll say for myself, even finishing the half marathon, I had to choose between like left or right side. Mm -hmm. There was nobody telling me to go to the right. And then once I crossed, there was nothing that just, there was no even arrow to the exchange zone. This mm -hmm. lady just pulled me over onto the grass. And in the same mm -hmm. instant, they took my bib, handed it to Lauren and somebody else put a medal on. And I like, I didn't even see Lauren. I was like, oh, I mm -hmm. just, okay, Lauren's gone now. Mm -hmm. um, so I would have appreciated a little bit more, you know, relay runners to the right. And then yeah. just- signage yeah. for quote unquote the exchange on i mean i was ready i unclipped the number you know i've, I've got all this ragnar experience now so i know how to <laughs> hand off my number um but i would i would have yeah they need to iron that out a bit but maybe yeah. you're right maybe we when exchange I, somewhere else on the course yeah um when, yeah. When, I, when i was when i was coming into the finish they they have because again that that split of the course is at 12.9 miles and so i'm coming into the finish and i get to that split and it says marathon runners this way half marathoners and finish line this way and i started to go the marathon and i was like because i'm i'm a marathon I'm, I'm finishing the marathon course but i was like i was like no let me go to the finish line and so i ran down to the finish line and then happily like i said rich spotted me and said, okay, you, you finish on this side of the cones. And so I finished on, on the left side and that's when they saw me and they announced me and they held out the tape for me and all that sort of thing, which was super cool. Y'all actually didn't get a finish time for a little while um, after you yeah. finished. And I so, think it's because Lauren crossed on the wrong side. She crossed on the right possible. side. It's possible. I, I will say just shout out to Rich, Rich cannot like the executive director mm -hmm. of the whole track club. He was out there the whole morning. Yeah. He was there from when I walked into you know, an app 45 minutes before the race to when yeah. I finished to when I went back yeah. two hours later and watched Lauren finish. Um, so they did do a good job. And, and George, they did, they did announce from about 10 minutes out that the male marathon relay winner was approaching. Like they oh, gave cool. a 10 minutes heads up. And I remember I had asked Adam, like, when is he finishing? And he was like 30 minutes. And it was like, I don't know. It was like 12 minutes later and they said 10 minutes. Hmm. And I was like, God, one, one of these people cannot. Take time. <laughs> um, so I barely got to the finish line. Cause I had anticipated not needing to be there for like eight more minutes, but yeah, it was I thought cool they... having you at the finish line and Adam was there and they were taking pictures. There was kind of a frenzy at the finish line a little bit with people taking pictures of me and all that yeah, sort of thing. And so it felt like I had just done something you. significant. <laughs> It was great. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it was super cool. I, I, I will I will say too now, with, with us complaining about this, I will say this. So the first marathon, the second or the first half marathon, the second half marathon and the marathon course all came together with about a mile to go and then went over that bridge that goes over the gulch. 
Not um, impressed with that bridge. <laughs> and so, so, so yeah. So at about, at about 24.5 miles into the marathon course, it comes together with the half marathoners who, who at that point were just legion. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, so I will say when I came onto that course and I turned onto that bridge, there was a, there was a staff member from ATC there that said, they pointed me and said marathoner. And I was like, same thing. <laughs> because I was already in that that headspace because everybody had been cheering for me as a marathoner. He said, marathoner, stay to the left until they tell you to to not to. And I was like, okay. And so I actually got to run on outside of the cones, outside of that massive crowd of people that were finishing in about two and a half hours for the half marathon that had run the first half of the half marathon. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, um, sure. And, and, and I thought... So as we're talking about like the splitting wasn't great, that was a pretty critical split. If I if I had been trying to weave through that crowd as I, I that that would have been uh difficult to say the yeah. least. Yeah. yeah. Particularly given how deep I was into the pain cave at that point. It was at the top of a hill off Decatur Street and Marietta Street. It was just so hard. Um so hard. All right, so let's talk about a couple other quick things related to it as well. Um, because they were in this different space, because they were at the Home Depot backyard, uh, parking was different this time than it has been in the past. Parking was rough for me. How was it for you? <laughs> so I was brilliant when I pre-purchased my parking to pick up my number on Friday. I felt kind of okay. like a rock star. Um, <laughs> pulled right into the red deck, crossed the street, went down, got the number left. And only Saturday night did I realize, oh my gosh, I did not pre-pay for parking Sunday morning. So I went on and there's no parking left of all the decks that kind of line the entrance to Mercedes Benz. Yeah. And they did have parking for, they must have added yellow lot. Anyway, mm. I happened to be carpooling with a few um, people that live near me. And one of them had purchased blue parking for the blue lot. And that was awesome because we yeah. came in kind of off of the underside of the backyard and yeah. parked off Northside Drive and got in without a problem. I was probably a little early, but that's pretty normal for me. Um, it did seem to back up really bad about 10 minutes after we got there. That's but when I came in. <laughs> I will say, and you came in somewhere totally different than me. You mm. were on the, on the top side. But yeah. when I left, it was heaven because I just pulled out of the parking lot, yeah. turned left, and I was yeah. already so far away from the congestion of, you know, where the red lot and, and the other lots that are kind of mm. up on the main, like, drive exit mm -hmm. that I drove out of there and I had a like I had to be in Buckhead in 20 minutes and it took me 18 minutes to get there so Perfect. I had a very different parking experience than you but I'm very thankful yeah. um to like I know a listener of the podcast Stephanie Cohen was smart enough to pre-purchase parking even though <laughs> I drove um so thank you Stephanie for actually following the directions because I right had on. not um but Stephanie yeah, was, ran the marathon Yes, yeah, Stephanie ran the marathon, but I was panicking about parking, actually. So I didn't like that at all. I didn't appreciate that. Um, well, so, it it so, wasn't clear whether it was only prepay, right? Or even if you don't prepay, there's still lots available when you get down there. It, it was only prepay, which I know from firsthand experience. Now, let's be fair to the Atlanta Track Club. And the Atlanta Track Club, in the participant instructions, it said, don't drive. It said, take MARTA. Uh, I know. Um, it always and, says that though. Yeah, but but to, to be fair to them, that's what they said. Don't drive, take Marta. And I was like, ah, no, I always drive to, to Atlanta Track Club <laughs> no, Race. I can drive too. to this one too. What I realized is that I I mean I take Marta to the Peachtree Road race for the most part, usually. I or know. at least I park yeah. 
you know, someplace kind of far away and, and jog to the start, right? I expect that to be kind of far away. I know that's a big deal, right? I need to actually put this race in my head the same way I think about the Peachtree Road race because 8,000 people parking is actually an issue. If you run just a regular downtown Atlanta Track Club road race, like I ran the the uh, Run with Mod Ahmad Arbery 5K last year, um, which start which a 5K that started downtown, right? That was a thousand, two thousand people, something like that. Um, like you can you can go and you can park downtown and it's efficient. You can get in, you get out. That's it. But when you have eight thousand people, yeah, it's not great. Um, and so I tried to go into one of the lots like where you parked and they said, they said, you had to prepay. And so I said, okay, where can I go? And they said, you can go to this deck over here. So I drive around and I go into the deck and it took me 40 minutes to get out of the deck after the race, 40 so minutes what, just to go downhill and get out of the deck. What deck did um, you end up parking? The in? red deck. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the red deck was one of the, so, so, so that was the whole thing is you had prepay options for the red deck. It was the first one to quote unquote sell out, but on race day, you could have still showed up and just paid to go in the red deck. Yeah, I did. That's what um, I did. So yeah. that's what wasn't, excuse me, that's what wasn't clear. And that is what I would have done. And I would have been there early enough that I would have gotten in without an issue, but it does not sound like I would have gotten out without a lot. of. I, I got in without an issue. Yeah. I got yeah. in without an issue, but then it took me 40 minutes to get out. Yeah, um, no thanks. <laughs> so, so, so yeah. So, like I said, my my takeaway is that so when I start doing this race next year, um, I'm going to start taking Marta as they suggest. I'll still drive to all the other ATC races that I do in Midtown and Downtown, but but this one, like the Peachtree Road Race, I need to have a plan that involves either commuting by foot, which is what I do for Peachtree, um, or or actually riding Marta, which is what they suggest. Um, and so that that's what I'll probably do for that one for sure. I will also say that typically this race has been um, a number pickup either at Atlantic Station or inside the World Congress Center. And the number pickup in the backyard area was awesome because it gave me kind of a visual of race day morning logistics. And I have been to Mercedes Benz several times, but I'd never actually been down into that Home Depot backyard area. Yeah, my, yeah. my only concern is we lucked out with amazing weather, right? A full week of no rain, a full weekend of no rain. It was really dry. But mm. if it hadn't been dry, I mean, the, it would have just been like a mud fest, it feels yeah. like. Yeah, um, so I don't know what their contingency plan was. I don't think that there was one, but it just seems like it would have been a really frustratingly messy expo. And then to have a race there Saturday, like by the time we all got there Sunday, it would have just been, I mean, just think about just the Kyle Peace Foundation and the mm. amount of stuff that they have and people throwing stuff all mm. over the place. It wasn't wet on the ground, so yeah. it was just stuff everywhere and who cares mm -hmm. um, because you weren't getting muddy, but right. that would be like my only concern um, mm -hmm. just on a bad weather weekend. Mm -hmm. What would it look like? Yeah. I, I, I feel like that actual space, that event space, the, the backyard, I feel like it is probably built. It was designed and built to withstand weather. Like, so it doesn't turn into a mud pit if there's a bunch of rain in the three days leading up before a Falcons or Atlanta United game. That I feel is so like that. hopeful. 
That is. Um, I, I'm I'm a hopeful guy. I believe yeah, in the power true. of engineers. I'm a Georgia Tech <laughs> alumnus, right? Um, so so I, I believe that that's probably a thing, but I don't know. Um, um, I'm not sure. I do think that that what you're saying though is if it if it was wet and then they had to put the tents up on top of the yeah. I don't I don't know exactly how that would work or or whether it would work for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, we did get lucky with weather. And you mentioned this before, by the way, that it was actually colder for you. The hour and in, in, in 20 minutes, just under hour and 20 minutes that took Adam to run the opening 13.1 miles, it went from being on the cold side of things to kind of being perfect weather. Um, I sure. brought every piece of clothing I own with me because <laughs> um, so I, I was so nervous about about you know what I was going to I, And I was certainly wrapped up real heavily because I was outside for two and a half hours prior to my actual race, right? And so I was actually wearing a whole lot of clothing just walking around with Lauren before uh, we made the exchange and started running. But I ended up not wearing any of the clothes that I brought with me. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I wore, brought the gloves and that's it. And my, my MPE singlet. Um, and so, so yeah, um, the weather for me turned out to be about perfect as a matter of yeah. fact, um, which um, I appreciated. And, and um, then the only other concern I have, which this is maybe just how it goes for most races is, they had a massive row of porta potties before you walked down into the backyard area. And then they had another line of them at the back and the top ones filled up really quickly and they would send people down to the ones um, within the backyard and tell them there was no line. I think a lot of people missed their like wave A, B starts because the lines were, I mean, I was there 30 minutes before the race and I waited at 15 minutes. Um, and that was the second time that I had gotten to use the bathroom before the start. But mm -hmm. even then, I just think, you know, more like more porta potties clustered in, in more areas and, and probably just more in general, honestly. Um, but maybe there's just no more space, right? Because they mm -hmm. they really did seem to use almost the all of that space. area. Yeah, yeah, especially once the races started finishing. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. As as someone who ran the second half, I can say I didn't have to wait in a porta john line. Yeah, I bet you didn't. <laughs> Whatever. That's that's the way to go. Let everybody else start, and then you just kind of walk in and walk out. Uh, it was well, lovely. <laughs> it, it's funny because when I left the car, I left um, the other two. We rode three of us, and I left because I had to go to the bathroom. And I, mm. anyways, as I was walking back to the car, literally fifty feet on the other side of the car, like away from the mm -hmm. start, is like eight porta yeah. potties, basically yeah. in the parking lot. So, yeah. but I, I think that I was, was so focused I, actually, on. I thought that was clever. Yeah. Yeah, looking up to the race area that I didn't even realize that we were parked yeah. just a few cars over. Um, so that would have given me more time to sit in my car with seat warmers, but it's the, okay. We the, survived, the reserve so. lot where they didn't <laughs> allow me to park. They had. They yeah. had five or six different Porta Johns in yeah. there that, that folks were lined up and using before they literally even left their parking lot to walk towards the starting area. So yeah, very yeah. good. Very yeah. good. All right. So shout outs, like I said, saw lots of people that, that uh, I'm friends with in the endurance community, including friends of the podcast here. Um, I saw Adi Wetzels. Um, he was out there um, uh, pushing as part of the Kyle Pease Foundation crew, um, brought a few people from his work with him, which was cool. Uh, Jacqueline Nasser, friend of the podcast, was out there as well doing some pushing. Uh, Eric Ledbetter, who we've had on the podcast talking about the Boston Marathon, um, uh, he was out there pushing too. Crystal Andrews, who was on the podcast last year talking about the Antarctica Marathon, was there. Justin Dugan, who is a regular on the podcast, seems <laughs> like, um, uh, he was out there pushing as well. Of course, saw Kyle Pease and Brent Pease, um, uh, early friends of the podcast, who were in some of the first podcasts that, that, that I hosted way back in 2016. 
Um, uh, they ran it as they do every year. Um, talked to Brent for a while, as a matter of fact, and it was the first conversation I've had with my friend Brent in a few years. Um, and I was very happy to see him um, and have a conversation with him. Uh, plus, I, I after the race, I saw and spoke with uh, Joseph McLeod, which was fun, friend of the podcast who came on here and talked about what it was like to race in Nice last year for the Ironman World Championship. Um, and so, so very happy to see him too. Um, you had a shout out too? Oh, I was going to actually shout out Joseph. I have another shout out too, <laughs> but I just want to really shout out Joseph because he had on all white hokas and cheers <laughs> to the people who spend the money to have two pair of the same shoes so that they can have that all white pair for athleisure purposes because they uh -huh. just look so awesome. Um, and, and he was sporting those all white hokas and I thought that was awesome. Mm -hmm. So, and then my second shout out is, um, so Tommy Nohilly, who's the new head coach of Atlanta track yeah. club elite team. I didn't see him, but my understanding is he was working a water station on the back half of the course. And I just, uh, I think that's awesome. He was at the expo on Friday. Yeah. I had a chance to kind of introduce myself and give him the heads up that we want to bring him on the podcast. Um, yeah. So I did the dirty work and now George is going to reach out to him, <laughs> <laughs> write the emails. <laughs> and, uh, and hopefully, you know, as we ramp up into outdoor track season, we'll, we'll bring him on in a few of the Atlanta track club elites. But I, but I love when, you know, the elite team is out there just mixing with uh, the community and, and amateur runners. Too. So kudos to him and Rich. I mean, they, they, they gave their morning to Atlanta, um, to Atlanta runners. So yeah, I, I love that. I like that too. I, I, you know, I remember when I did the Atlanta marathon, when they had it at road Atlanta in 2021, I was leaving after having run the marathon and, and, Rich was still there. and, and he was not just there. He was directing traffic. Yeah. And so like, like, so like I'm leaving the parking lot and I'm way on the edge of the parking lot, far away from like the action from the finish line, all that sort of thing. Sure. I was just yeah. in a place where there needed to be a person out there telling you which way to drive in order to exit. And there he was right yeah. out there directing awesome. traffic. Um, and I, I rolled down one. That's a great job today, Rich. Um, and, but, but that's, I mean, I, I appreciate that model of leadership, you know, um, totally. It's yeah. the 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 war generals who actually like get in it as opposed to stand in the back away from the action and just sort of direct whatever people are supposed to do. Like he's in it. Um, and and I appreciate that approach on, on his part. Um, he's he's been that way from the start. Um, and he was certainly that way yesterday. Um, and clearly, Tommy Nohilly, who he's brought on in the last year, is is of that ilk, too. So I appreciate that. Awesome. Yeah, um, very good. All right. Well, we did have something else we were going to talk about today, but we ended up spending the whole hour talking about <laughs> this race. So between our reflections on the race and, of course, the uh, the the performances that we had too, uh, Michelle, I, I don't think I got the opportunity to say this. I think you had a brilliant race. I think you oh, ran thanks. fabulously. Um, I was so excited about how well you ran. Um, just knowing how much you would run in the week up to that, you ran um, uh, an hour and and fifteen or an hour and twenty minutes the day before, um, and so you were bringing and every other fatigue. day before that. <laughs> yeah, no, you're bringing you're bringing a lot of fatigue into this race, and then you go out there to do a progression run, and on this hilly course, you just nailed all of it. So I. I I am feeling great about where you are right now, um, a few weeks out from your big target replacement marathon here. Yeah, um, I so feel well pretty done. good. I Yeah, I'm happy. Um, it was a lot of like mental effort. Um, I was like, I literally put, and I don't recommend this, so don't do this, um, but I left my watch <laughs> on each mile pace. And mm. if I if I was like 0.9 miles into one of the first four miles and it said 828, I slowed down. Mm. I was like not willing to let the watch beep 
under 8:30 pace um, <laughs> the first four miles. So it was a little bit, um, and then I and I didn't look at it the last three miles, but for some reason I had the audio, so it was a little kind of bummed because in my mind I was like, oh, I'm gonna go run 7:30s in the last 5k, um, but I just didn't realize that once you you know, get through mile 10, you still have to climb 11 and 12 before you yeah. get to 13, yeah. which is a little bit of a reprieve. But yeah, I was mm -hmm. pretty happy over I was happy right away with just uh, like how how I ran it. So yeah, as you should have been, as you should have been very good, very good. I'm excited for you. Until um, next year. Until next year, indeed. <laughs> Michelle, thanks for being with me. Yeah, have a good afternoon. And um, looking forward to whatever. I don't know. Can you just do that again? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I was going to say. I was just totally blessed. Thanks again for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast. Don't forget to check out our new website that we're building in early 2024, mostpleasantexhaustion.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast or on Instagram at mostpleasantexhaustion. We're available on SoundCloud, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tell your friends and don't forget to give us a rating. We also offer coaching services through MPE Coaching. You can reach out to us at pleasantpodcast at gmail.com, at mpecoach at gmail.com, or just click on the coaching link on the podcast website. Again, that's www.mostpleasantexhaustion.com. Thanks again to our sponsor, Blue Pineapple Travel. You can find them at bluepineappletravel.com, at facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, or on Instagram at bluepineappletravel. Check out High Echelon PC at highechelonCPA.com. Big thanks to our sponsor, Elemental Altitude. You can find them at elementalaltitude.com, on Instagram at elementalaltitude, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash elementalaltitude. And finally, thanks to our newest sponsor, Bright Hair. You can find them at brighthair.com or on Instagram at bright.hair. On behalf of Michelle Frank and Eric Hall, thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. <laughs>